Hello, hello, welcome back to How to Buy a Kitchen or Bathroom, the podcast brought to you by these3rooms.com. This is episode number 15 and it is the final episode in series one of the podcast and what a series it has been. Firstly, if you don't know by now, I'm your host, Lindsay Blair, and I am the editor of Kitchens, Bedrooms and Bathrooms magazine and these three rooms. And I've been here on this podcast chatting you through all you need to know about getting the kitchen and bathroom you really want. If you've tuned in every week for the past 15 weeks, well, thank you very much. I hope you have enjoyed it as much as I have. We've had some amazing guests on and I have certainly picked up some very useful tips. So I'm hoping that you have too and you can take all that wealth of knowledge into your own renovation project. One of my favourite episodes this series was all about bathroom storage. That was with Charmaine White from the White House Interiors. I do love a bit of storage, if you haven't gathered that already, and Charmaine's idea for using outdoor baskets from the garden centre as clever storage for bath toys was absolutely genius because they have a waterproof lining on the the inside, which I thought was a great idea. So tune into episode 11 if you haven't heard that one already. That's a great one. I also love chatting to Diane Berry, a Manchester-based kitchen designer, about how much a kitchen costs and what it means to to get true value for money that episode episode number nine is really worth a listen diane is all about spending that little bit extra to get the quality and longevity needed for such a big investment like a kitchen her point about a good kitchen improving your life is rather touching And one of the earlier episodes, episode number four, in fact, on choosing a kitchen worktop with Rianne Williams at Harvey Jones was extremely informative, including the revelation of Madagascan seabed as a statement worktop, proving the realms of kitchen design really are endless. Today, how do we wrap up season number one? Well, with your help, of course, I asked you for your kitchen and bathroom dilemmas and boy, did you deliver. So today I'm going to be answering all of your questions and I am joined by Georgina Townsend, who works with me as features editor on KBB magazine. If you follow us on Insta, you've probably already seen her pop up in the Renovation Chat Live series in which she talks to lovely renovators about their project and gets them to give her a tour around their home, which I love because who doesn't want to snoop around other people's houses, let's be honest. So if you have missed any, you can head over to our KBB magazine on Instagram and you'll find the latest tours on our live channel. Just swipe across and you will find them. So hello, Georgina. How are you doing today? Oh, very well. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you know, I had to, at some point, I was going to have to drag one of the team members onto the podcast with me. So welcome. You are the first victim. Oh, well, you know, it's always best to be the first, I suppose. Get it out of the way. (laughs) So those renovation chats I've just mentioned are really worth a watch, aren't they? Well, I would say so, but I might be biased. I just think they're fantastic for having a bit of a snoop, but also really knowing about the nitty gritty of their project, you know, really getting down to the real renovation process that they go through. You know, sometimes we see a pretty picture and we don't know the work that goes on behind that. So it's talking about their projects, the the process that they went through, but also, you know, appreciating their lovely spaces. 
Yeah, they really tell you all about what they've done and turn the camera around and show you what they've done as well, which puts it all into a better perspective. And you can, I think it's really useful to pick up tips for anyone out there who is, you know, going into renovating their home or even just thinking about it. They, Like I said, they are really worth a watch. So go out there and have a, have a look on our Instagram, as I said. Now, today, in true work from home 2020, 2021 fashion, this whole podcast has been remote. So I haven't yet had a guest in the same room as me. So that's either lockdown life or, you know, they're trying to tell me something. Um, So it's only fitting that we end in the same way. So although we do work together, we're not actually in the same room today either. We are miles and miles apart, aren't we? Although I am in my rather glamorous podcast studio in the office, which is not glamorous at all for anybody who has seen the behind the scenes pictures on our Instagram. And I've taken over my little girl's nursery. (laughs) Well, there you go. The smallest room in the house, hoping it's going to be the most soundproof. Exactly. So a few episodes ago, I asked you for lots of questions. That's you, the listener. And you have delivered. I have so many questions from our lovely listeners and followers on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter and from the old These Three Rooms inbox. So there's no particular order to these, which makes it that little bit more exciting. And I have to say, some of the questions are rather specific. So we're really going to be put through our paces here. Some are really niche. So stay tuned. It seems like our listeners really want to challenge us. Are you up for it? Uh, totally up for it. Let's do it. Good. Okay, so let's go straight into it then. So question one comes from our inbox and it is from Gary who says he and his wife have lived in their house for 10 years. They have two kids who are fast growing and they've spent lockdown under one roof, realise they need more space, want a bigger kitchen and are thinking about going open plan for the family but not sure whether to extend or not. So this is probably one of the most common things we actually get asked about, don't we? Whether, you know, how to make your kitchen bigger and, you know, whether to take on that big project. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, absolutely. And also, I mean, I think the past 18 months, that's really amped up, hasn't it? Going open plan has always been something that people have aspired to in their projects. But I think throughout this past few months, I mean, months, years now, isn't it? People really have been in their space and they now know exactly what they want in open plan kitchens. More space is right up there, isn't it? I mean, extensions, they are very broad. I mean, I think we need to ask ourselves about his space. I mean, has he got a big enough garden? Is he semi-detached, detached? Is he a terrace? You know, all of these questions you need to think about first, I'd say. Do you want to have planning permission or how about do it under permitted development? I mean, those two are very different. One means that it's a bit more lengthy. The other means that it's a bit more of a quicker process, but you're limited in what you can do. So I guess you have to look at the outside first and then maybe look on the inside. Like, What's his space like? indoors has he got a small kitchen which could become a knock through with a dining room or a playroom or you know utility room so there's lots of first off questions I think we would need to ask Gary what do you think yeah no I agree sadly he hasn't told us the type of property that he is living in but I totally agree with you you know assess the space first of all is what we always say no matter what project whether that is a knock through or an extension to really work out what you really really need from the space and then whether you can actually build out or even up sometimes to get that extra footprint 
without losing out on outdoor space. I think that's something to really think about. Yes, we see lots of rear extensions, but sometimes, you know, it might not be the best idea if it's going to create a a garden that you can't really use. So really assess what you have and then go from there. And think about why you want an open plan space or why you want a bigger kitchen. Do you want to use it for working from home? Because we, we are doing that more frequently now. Is it for lots of family gatherings? All of these different things about how you live in the space and how you aspire to live in a space really come come into the question of which type of project that you will tackle. So, I mean, you've done an extension, haven't you, on your house? Your, what sort of things did you want to achieve? Because that did result in a much bigger kitchen. Oh, a much bigger kitchen. I mean, you couldn't get much smaller when it was when we first moved in. I think you could barely fit in a cooker, let alone anything else. But yes, I mean, we we had the option of creating an open plan kitchen, but I decided more that I wanted it to be a broken plan kitchen with a separate utility room. One of the reasons for that is because I am an awfully messy person, as my husband will gladly tell you. And I needed a space that I could hide away clothes, stuff <laughs> that easily if guests come around I can just hide it in there and it's fine it's also an l-shaped room um, which I really like over let's say a sort of open square because I think again you've got a corner where you can be separate from maybe things that are going on in the kitchen area although it's still an open space so I really wanted a, a kitchen that yes was open but that could really feel cozy and had its very own dedicated space within it. So I would say from talking to several homeowners since the pandemic who are designing their kitchens, they want open plan, but broken plan, I think is actually a really good way to go because we've all been on top of each other. We've not been able to go out. And I think while we've really appreciated that time with each other, we also appreciate the time when we're on our own. (laughs) And um, (laughs) maybe that's worth considering as well. So yes, extend if you have the budget, if you have the space, if you have the time. But if you don't, maybe there are other ways that you can create space where all of your family can be together. That's more ergonomically friendly, but you're not going to be on top of each other as well. Yeah, no, I totally agree on the broken plan because it's all fair and good wanting that big open plan space because it looks great in, you know, let's be honest, in magazine photos because it's all tidy and, you know, being styled up nicely and stuff like that. But if you're going to be in there in your day-to-day with the kids or you're working from home and you've got stuff everywhere or whatever, you know, you you might need those little nooks for a bit of quiet and a bit of, you know, headspace. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially when the kids come along, you need somewhere (laughs) that is definitely still your space, I would say. (laughs) So to Gary, I would say, you know, really think about what you have now and what you want. And then obviously, like Georgina says, consider your budget and also think about whether you can actually extend. So check in with your local authority to to see what's possible in your area. And if someone next door or a few doors down has had an extension, why don't you knock on their door and just ask them about you know, how their planning process went. Um, You can often glean quite a lot of information from people who've done similar projects, particularly in the same sort of area where the local authority will have the same uh, planning rules. 
hopefully that helps. Leading on from that one, we also had a question from Rachel. Similar sort of thing. She has lived in her house for some years, but lockdown, I feel like there's a theme here, has convinced her to move and take on a project. I mean, the property market is insane right now. So Rachel's probably one of many, many, many people doing this. And she's seen lots of inspiration on Instagram. She wants to know what to do to prep. So I gather that's for a possible renovation project. And she says, am I letting myself in for a nightmare? Well, (laughs) it depends how far into the project you want to go. I mean, are we thinking like a a knockdown and start again? Or are we thinking about a rip it all out and start again? It depends how, how big of a project you're prepared to take on. But certainly like go for it I mean we love it don't we oh absolutely love a project um I mean I've renovated myself and um I would be honest and say yes you are in for a nightmare but it's (laughs) totally worth it I mean there are some people who I've interviewed before in the past who absolutely cannot get enough of renovating they have a renovation bug and they go from house to house project to project they just can't stop I'm not that person. Um, However, I would do it again, maybe in several years time. Um, But what I would say is what I've sort of taken from that question is that she's seen Instagram accounts of renovators and she thinks that she wants to do it. What I would say is just be careful with Instagram. You know, they it can look fantastic, but renovating is definitely hard and it is lengthy. And yes, I think there's a lot of, you know, getting your hands dirty. Of course, you don't have to do that. It all depends, again, um, like we were saying to Gary, on your budget. You could not have to lift a fingernail. You could get people like project managers involved and, you know, big building companies who will do everything for you. So in my experience, because I was quite hands-on, it was hard. But I would say it doesn't have to be as long as you have the budget and organisation and... Yes. And it's the scale as well. You know, if you take on a dilapidated barn, then that will be harder than, let's say, a 1930s property that perhaps just needs some TLC. So I guess it's all on the scale, I would I would say. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's the scale, isn't it? And like you say, the budget, what that's going to allow you to do. So I think before you even start looking on the zooplas and right moves of this world to look for potential projects, think about what your budget is for not only the new property, but the renovation pot as well, as well as a 10% contingency. We also always say have a 10% contingency for your budget. Um, And then just, you know, from there, think about the type of work you want to do do you want to go into a property that has not been updated for decades and you want to give it a total refresh structurally and aesthetically you know it's important to sort of survey the property and you know get expert help from a surveyor to tell you what sort of work might need to be done because some of these older properties that haven't been touched in such a long time might need a whole new heating system, a whole new plumbing system, you know, new glazing, which all come at a high price tag. Um, So think about your budget and then think about what scale of project that will allow you to do. And again, your time frame, if you have lots of time to spend on a renovation and you you know you don't have to live on site for example which is another budget con- consideration then you might be able to take on a, a super super project and enjoy the process of it 
So lots of factors again. I mean, these questions, there's so much to consider. Hopefully that does help. Um, I think, as Georgina said, let's be honest, am I letting myself in for a bit of a nightmare? I wouldn't say nightmare, but it's certainly a challenge if you take on a project. I don't think I've yet spoke to a renovator who said it wasn't a challenge. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yes. <laughs> I mean, the challenge, but, you know, people love a challenge. So, you know, it's, um, it's all good. Yeah. And what if you do actually take on a project, get in touch because we'd love to see what you've taken on and what you end up doing with it. So that sounds really exciting if you do actually go for it. So good luck. So it seems lots of projects are happening right now. And the renovation bug of lockdown has certainly not waned. Sophie has got in touch via our Facebook page and asked us about living on site, which kind of follows on from Rachel's question. She's having an extension built for a new kitchen and work is starting later this summer. So she is asking whether she should live on site or move out. Um, what do you reckon? You have been there and done it. Yeah, and got the uh, covered T-shirt to prove it as well. <laughs> I was going to say there is one word that I would use for anybody living on site, and that is dust. Yes, dust, dust, dust. However, she is doing a kitchen extension, I believe, whereas what we were doing was every single room at the same time, including the family bathroom that was next to our main bedroom. And my husband, bless him so much, um, didn't really cover the door when he decided to take off the wall tiles. Um, (laughs) So I got home one day from work and there was a a layer of dust on my pillow and hairdryer. So I said, uh, nope, that's it. (laughs) Can't do it. That was the straw that broke the cobbles back, wasn't it? It really was. I mean, it was, you know, there was the microwave meals in our sort of that we set up in the living room, um, which was just about manageable. But yes, it was the dust. It was the dust that broke me. Um, so what I would say is living on site, it's, it does come with its challenges. However, um, if you do things properly, sorry, husband, um, (laughs) it was maybe won't be as bad as what I experienced, but, um, living on site, I would say could slow down the proceedings if you did want it to be done properly and make sure that, you know, each room was done properly first and finished so yes, there's that challenge. It would t- potentially take longer. And then I, but then I was very lucky. I had a, um, a mother that lived very nearby who was more than happy to um, take in her baby and um, allow us to live with her for eight months, um, which was very generous of her. But I know a lot of people um, haven't maybe got that. Maybe they've got family that live far away. So it's all about you know, doing the pros and cons before deciding if you live on site or maybe stay somewhere else. I would imagine for a kitchen extension, if you're not really doing anything upstairs, if you've got the space, you could do a makeshift kitchen, perhaps. Yes, it all depends on the project, I would say. Yeah. And I also note that she said that she's starting work later this summer. So, you know, sometimes September, fingers crossed, because we haven't really had much of a summer yet. So fingers crossed, September and October can often be quite nice months. So if you have a an extension plan that's going to take you know eight to 12 weeks or something like that you might actually get away with having it done before the real horrible weather hits um so it might not be too bad compared to having it done in the depths of winter um where you might you know have part of your house exposed to the elements where the extension's being built and trying to you know avoid that part of the house so give it a go i would say 
um, again, it comes down to budget because if you can't rent elsewhere or, you know, keep a property that you've lived in before while you're renovating, then sometimes it's inevitable you are going to have to live on site. Uh, but, you know, keep things safe relax into it don't try and keep everything clean and tidy because I think it's virtually impossible um, and as Georgina says I think you know get the makeshift kitchen on the go have some fun with it get the barbecue out do marshmallows on the fire you know all that sort of stuff make it a bit of a treat as much as possible. I actually have spoken to a few homeowners before who have done the master bedroom first that's true that's a really good idea I always like when they're I read yeah them. so they've got a retreat that they can go to that's beautiful that they can relax in after a day of renovating and it doesn't feel so laborious you know going back downstairs and back to the you know the bare walls and bare floors you know they actually do have quite a lovely place to go to after renovating and I would definitely recommend if you're going to live on site maybe just try and do one room first that's totally finished and beautiful that you can go in at the end of the day and think oh that was a good day renovating yeah exactly sort of you have to have some area for comfort so you don't feel as if you are literally living on a building site and can't get away from it so yeah I I really um, like when homeowners do that I think that's a really great idea because it's so tempting isn't it to just go into a project and think right we're going to do the kitchen we're going to do a big extension and then think oh my god but the rest of the house also needs to be done so maybe think about it a different way do a room for you so that you can shut the door and ignore the renovation work for a a weekend if you need to. Yeah, perfect. Okay, next one. So Linda on Instagram, she sent us a message um, and she asked for the best way to find kitchen company, which is a great question. I would always say three quotes minimum. Look around your local area, your local high street, you know, lots of independent kitchen companies are, you know, even sometimes on the end of a street, uh, not necessarily on a high street. So do look around your local area to see what you can find as well as on the sort of the bigger retail parks where the, the bigger national chains are and go in, have a chat with the designers there and get a real feel for it. Get three quotes as a minimum from different companies and compare what you're actually getting in those quotes. I would also say on a previous episode with Diane Berry on kitchen costs and value for money, we I chatted to her about going to the kitchen company that you maybe think is out of your reach because, you know, they might have an amazing window display or something. But actually, I would always say go in and have a chat with the designer there because you just never know and you might really get to know them and understand what they're all about and you know they might actually be able to work with you to get a kitchen that you really really love for your budget so I would say don't be afraid to go and check out things that you maybe don't initially think you can have. Yeah I I did the exact same thing you know I went down Uh, my local street and where I found an independent kitchen designer. I didn't think he would be able to do anything for me, but I thought it's worth trying anyway. What's to lose by me going into this shop and asking him a few questions? And actually he had some beautiful ranges that were in my budget and we sat down and we planned a kitchen together. And yes, it was a little bit more than maybe some of the more well-known high street chains, but not massively and for the quality that I have and the materials that have been used you know I feel really confident that my kitchen is gonna last which 
you know, they say, you know, buy cheap, buy twice. So, you know, it's quite a sustainable thing to do as well. Actually push your kitchen budget for a kitchen that's going to last you decades. So yes, I now have a kitchen that I love and it was in my budget. And yes, I would recommend it to everyone to go along uh, to their local showrooms that are, you know, nearby to them, walking distance or a few minutes in the car and go and have a chat. I would say there's another way that I have discovered how people find kitchen companies and that is through something we've been talking about quite a lot today and that is Instagram. Um, oh, that I is a know. new one. It's um a few homeowners who I've interviewed recently. They just, you know, look at hashtags of kitchens that they like, for example, hashtag blue kitchen, shaker kitchen, and they will just follow the trail and they might find maybe some homeowners accounts and they like their kitchen and they'll follow that trail and they'll see that they've tagged a kitchen company then they'll find the kitchen company and then they'll look through those images also known as going down the instagram hole yes exactly <laughs> they go down the kitchen instagram hole and yes and i think a lot of people have actually found really sort of independent companies or kitchen showrooms that they would have never have known existed because they're independent and they go there and they fall in love with the kitchen and i think that that's a really positive and quite creative way of finding a kitchen company. Yeah, I love that. And I love also that the likes of Instagram, you can now use like a search engine, basically. So like you see, you can search Shaker Kitchen. You can you can search by area as well, can't you? I mean, even if people don't necessarily tag their location, they'll often have, you know, hashtag Bristol or Bristol Kitchens or, you know, something like that. So you can really narrow it down and just like you say see what comes up I love that idea another way that we always say is if you do know people who have had renovation work done so whether that be a neighbor or friends and family ask them because word of mouth recommendations are invaluable and you can you know if you know someone who's had their kitchen done you can really ask them how how was it what was it like working with this company and is there anything that you should be aware of um, so I think those are some, you know, ideas of how you can find a kitchen company. But I think getting the quotes and going out and having different conversations with different kitchen companies is a great place to start. And now a lot of kitchen companies are able to do this virtually, so which makes it easier, actually, because you can sit and schedule a few virtual calls from the comfort of your sofa. Okay, so I have another one, Kira on Instagram. Uh, this one's a little bit more specific and interesting. So what's a good heat source for a kitchen? She is removing an argot, so it needs a replacement heat source for when the winter hits, but she doesn't want underfloor heating. So there probably goes our first recommendation would be to do in underfloor heating, but we like a challenge. So I think the obvious radiators so she's removing an arga i'm kind of curious why she's removing the arga but yeah in terms of replacement heating obviously an arga has ambient heat so is on all the time as well as being you know a, a range cooker for cooking in um it's also a heat source so i would say look at radiators and don't think I just mean plain standard white radiators. You can get some really nice design led radiators now. So whether you want that to be a statement design, you know, that really shows up on the wall or something that blends into the wall. So you can have thing radiators colour matched to your wall paint now um, from various different manufacturers. And 
think about not just the radiators that we imagine when we think about a radiator or so, a couple of foot high, rectangular in shape horizontally, but think of vertically and use lengths of wall that maybe aren't being used for anything else. And you can get nice wall hung radiators to, you know, go onto a wall in your kitchen. If you haven't got wall space, you can also get low level ones that really sit, you know, probably about foot off the floor and they're quite long. So they're a bit more discreet if you want something that is a bit more discreet. I also love, have you seen these Georgina, where there's like it's almost like a towel radiator but more for a kitchen rather than a bathroom so it's usually a smaller one and I love this idea because in my kitchen what I think is tea towels you know they're a bit gross aren't they really uh, if you really think about it have having the damp tea towel hanging around isn't necessarily the nicest thing so you can actually get heated towel rails now for your kitchen small ones so you could put you know one or two tea towels on there and it just helps keep the tea towel's a bit fresher, but also acts as that smaller heat source. Obviously, that's not going to be good enough to, to heat a whole room. But as a secondary option, it might be cool. Yeah, definitely. And then thinking about, again, style, maybe. If she's had an Arga, I would imagine it's probably a period property. And again, you mentioned we're not just talking about you know your standard white uh, radiators. You can really get new radiators that look old, that match the period property. Again, that you said that can get colour matched. But what I was wondering is if she doesn't want underfloor heating, that perhaps maybe she doesn't want some major works. And by popping in some radiators, sometimes that's not the easiest job. You know, you've got to get plumbers in, it has to work with your central heating. So perhaps maybe she would be interested in electric wall mounted radiators, which can be really energy efficient now. And, you know, unlike an Argo, you can turn them off in the summer months. So she won't have to have a nice hot kitchen in the summer. She can just turn it on when she wants. So I think that could maybe be an option for her as well. Yeah, the electric's a really good point because you can work those independently. It doesn't have to be plumbed into your central heating like you say. So you can have that extra level of of control, can't you? Yeah, exactly. And I think from the sounds of it, maybe she doesn't really want some major works going on. So yes, I think that would be a a perfect option for her. And maybe even, you know, like you said, colour match, but you can also get different metallics now as well. You know, if she's got some chrome in her kitchen you know chrome handles maybe a nice chrome radiator would look nice or yeah there's so many options out there for radiators now you don't just have to get the bog standard ones that you see I think I'd be excited to see what she one what she puts in the space where the Arga was and two what the radiators are going to look like yeah get in touch and let us know one other thing I would um, say is this is a little bit um, more sort of jargon but bear with me so if you are choosing a new radiator for your space you need to look at the BTU which is the British Thermal Unit and that tells you basically how much heat the radiator releases because unlike a bathroom obviously a kitchen tends to be larger so you'll need to consider how much space you actually need to heat and if you have had an auger in there you know that actually gives up quite a lot of heat throughout the day so just go online and search for a btu calculator which basically calculates the width height and length of a room and then multiplies it in this fancy sum by the area of the windows so it's quite complicated but do some measurements and stick all those into a btu calculator online and that'll tell you what's what rating btu you need 
for your radiators to efficiently heat your space. There are some calculators as well, as well, Lindsay, that take in things like if it's a north facing wall or it's got double glazed windows. So maybe look out for some calculators that really go into detail. Yeah, excellent tip. Right, so let's have a look, see what else we've got in the, the old question pot. Uh, okay, let's do some bathroomy ones now. So Naz is working on a project. They are having an ensuite put into their upstairs. They're turning a box room into a lovely new bathroom. They want to know whether they should keep the door to the hallway or not. Mm, interesting. Okay. My first thought is a Jack and Jill there. So a Jack and Jill bathroom is when you have that sort of two entrances and exits so it connects from two different rooms but you might not want that if it's from a hallway I I mean I'd be like no no thank you (laughs) I want more options for my fixtures and fittings and for my decor and if you've got two doors and a small box room you're going to be very limited in options I think I mean obviously it depends if they've still got a family bathroom on that floor or who's going to be using it. If it really is going to be a dedicated ensuite, I really don't think there's a need to keep the hallway door in terms of practicality. But maybe, I suppose, in terms of budget, there could be a reason to keep it. I don't know what you think, Lindsay. Yeah, I guess if you're getting rid of a door, you've got to consider the the impact on your budget that actually blocking that hole up will have. Um, so get a quote from a builder or um, you know whoever you're working with to to do the renovation work on that because it will add some money to the budget. But I agree with you. If it's a box room, having two doors that's going to take up quite a lot of space within the bathroom isn't it and space in most bathrooms is very limited so I would say probably yes block it up if you don't really need it just have a door leading from the you know the main bedroom into the on the new ensuite and then use the space where the old door was for you know bathroom fixtures and fittings as you say it could be a vanity unit or a space for a shower or storage you know actually utilize that wall space because Really, if you think about how you might use that space on a day-to-day basis, is it likely you're going to be entering it from the hallway or are you more likely to enter it from the bedroom? If it's an ensuite, you are probably more likely to enter it from the bedroom. If you are going to share it, which is probably unlikely, but if you are, then you might want to keep the door. But my gut feeling is to block up the, the old door and just connect it to the bedroom so you've got that lovely sort of main suite that you can relaxing and enjoy and if you are doing the rest of your house as we said before that can be your little sanctuary while the other work is going on yeah absolutely I mean it sounds like quite a big project making an ensuite in a in a box room and you want a design that you're going to love and appreciate you're not going to want to look back on it in a couple months time and think oh I wish we just spent that bit more money and blocked up the door you know it's these things are meant for longevity and really think how you're going to use the space not now but maybe in 10 20 years time and will you regret not filling in that door which really doesn't add that much budget I think probably when you're in the shower or in the bath and you're just you know relaxing and having a bit of me time and you haven't blocked the door up and then you suddenly look and you realize you've not locked it (laughs) the fear of someone walking in while you're having your shower or bath that would probably be enough to make my decision of yes actually let's block that up absolutely okay here's another bathroomy one this is a niche one again 
Um, so this comes from Antonia also on Instagram. And this question is very Instagrammable, I have to say. So she is looking to hang plants in her bathroom. She wants to know how to go about doing it without having to drill holes in the tiles or the wall. Now, this one really got me thinking because we see these plants hanging in the bathroom quite often now. And as I say, it's very Instagrammable. But yeah, you will have to drill holes in the tiles of the wall to to really get the look, won't you? I would imagine so for the optimum safety. I mean, you don't want to be sat in your bath and then suddenly get hit on the head with a plant pot. Um, <laughs> but I think there could be ways to get around it and to maybe get a similar look. There are Velcro strips out at the moment, which you could try. I think you'd obviously have to look and check what the weight restrictions are on them. Maybe don't place it in a it's somewhere where you might be injured by a falling plant pot. And I'd also say, you know, maybe plastic pots, um, nothing too big or heavy. But apart from that, you could attempt something on the shower screen, some of the plants that have got air roots potentially. But I think it's maybe smaller things like maybe getting, if you've got any grooves or shelves in your bathroom, planting a nice trailing plant with you know lots of leaves hanging down like a string of pearls or some ivy ivy does really well in bathrooms by the way because they like low light and they like humidity so maybe they're not hanging from the walls but they are on the walls if you have shelving and they're giving you a similar look equally I think there's some quite tall and skinny floor planters that you could plant some pots in as well, some nice things like yeah. uh, peace lilies, bamboo. I was doing a bit of research earlier and I saw lots of bamboo in bathrooms at the moment and the classic spider plant. Um, so I think something that's not going to take up too much space, but it's nice and tall. So when you walk in, you can instantly see it, I think is probably a good option as well. Yeah, I really love that because even just that small pop of greenery, even like you say, a succulent or something hanging, trailing from a shelf, I think really adds to to the effect and you get that, you know, fresh feel. I saw when I was having a look into this, some floor standing planters that have, it's almost like a pole and it was from Umbra Design, which is stocked in John Lewis. And it's basically a pole which has pots sort of dotted up the pole, if that makes sense. So you could plant various different pots within this sort of tall planter so you get the effect that there are uh, plants hanging from the walls but actually they are you know they're mounted on the floor on a floor standing planter which I thought was a, a nice way of achieving the look without having to do any of the structural work of drilling holes in but those strips that you mentioned the velcro ones so are, they're the command strips and they are good I have some of those in my house and I have one in my bathroom actually holding a mirror up and it's a hook which has got the velcro strip on the back and I admit I was a bit worried about using this because I thought this mirror is going to fall to the ground within 12 hours of me mounting this on the wall with this Velcro strip. But seven months later, it is still there. So have a look on the label because they have weight, maximum weights that they can hold. So obviously take note of that and don't put anything too heavy on there if you're going to hang a plant. But that might be worth a look. Some of the hooks, you might be able to get away with mounting them on the ceiling as well as the wall. And if you've got a picture rail, you can get small hooks that actually sit on the picture you might be able to hang a small plant from there as well so different options but I totally get why you wouldn't want to drill um, holes in the tiles for something that you might not want to have there permanently 
So good question. Thank you. That was a bit of a challenging one, but we got there. Another bathroomy one came in via email and it's from Steph, who is in the Wirral. She doesn't want to spend a lot. She's got about 100 to 200 pounds budget to do a quick update on her bathroom. That's a good one. I love this. This is definitely a challenge. So quick update. So nothing too drastic. What do you reckon? So I have actually done something similar um, with my father's downstairs bathroom because it needed a serious refresh and I work for an interiors magazine and it was a sin to my eyes. So I uh, asked him if I could redo his bathroom. And um, he said, (laughs) was this your lockdown project? (laughs) It was. And um, yes, he gave me a small budget. And so I replaced the toilet roll holder and towel ring with a much more modern chrome sort of quite chunky design replacing some rather hideous creamy which I didn't think used to be creamy towel rails and toilet roll holder so that looks much nicer and that was such an easy fix I painted the walls a completely new color and I did the ceiling as well for a bit of a cool touch and what colors did you use what were the colors before and what did you go to? well the colors before were a mix of two different very bold blues think underwater theme my dad's uh, (laughs) toilet seat is classic you know millennium fish and shells undersea (laughs) toilet seat (laughs) which I actually had to keep that was a for some he told me I'd love it (laughs) which is interesting so in the shells I mean this is I mean crazy but in the shells they were quite sort of purpley mauvey colors so I went for a mauve for the walls and the ceiling which just toned it down a bit made it a bit more neutral but still fun and then yes I took out all of his tat you know things that he collected over the years um, nothing sentimental just things he couldn't be bothered to throw away and um, replaced them with some lovely plants and some nice planters and put a lovely picture up on the wall and Bob's your uncle totally new bathroom for not more than about 110 pounds ish Oh, amazing. So paint, updating sort of the smaller fixtures and fittings. I guess you could probably put some new towels in there. That's a nice quick fix as well. New bath mat is a classic. New soap. Candle, new soap, all those little things. It's those little accessories, isn't it, that make the real difference. So many brands I've noticed now offer, bathroom brands that is, like Grower, Hands Grower, those sorts of brands now offer complimentary Soap dishes, soap holders, toilet roll holders, all of that fixtures and fittings to coordinate with their tap ranges. But if you want to just update those, then there's no reason why you can't just buy them separately like you did. Yeah, exactly. I love those ideas. So yeah, lots of small updates that don't really cost the earth. So Steph, I hope that helps. And as before, please do let us know and send us a snap. We would love to see. Okay, so I'm coming to the end of our uh, list of questions. So I have uh, a couple of appliancey ones. Let's see, which one should we start with? So I I love this one. Okay, fridge freezers. So someone who didn't want us to share their name said they've seen a fridge freezer that tells them they are low on milk and they've put what? (laughs) (laughs) I love that one. Um, Yes, there are fridges out there that can tell you all sorts of things. There's one from Samson, which has internal cameras, which can tag the expiry dates on food automatically. And they can even suggest recipes that will help you use up food that's about to expire. I mean, that just blows my mind. Yeah, I love this. I love these innovations because you asked me sort of 
even three years ago, three to five years ago, I would have thought, oh God, these smart tech innovations, Wi-Fi connected fridges, really do we need that? But the technology has moved really, really quickly and it's now becoming really useful. So that you know helping you to limit your food waste i think is a brilliant idea the sam's i love the family hub from samsung which is basically you've probably seen it where they have like a tv screen essentially on the front of the fridge and um you can play your spotify through there you can you know write notes you can write your shopping list all these things have your calendar on there so you, you know everyone in your family knows what's going on and there's lots of different features now. It's not just about a fridge that keeps your food cold anymore, is it? No, I know. It's crazy. I mean, you can even see us at your front door on your fridge. I mean, it just blows my <laughs> mind. And um, yeah, you know, other companies as well. I mean, maybe not quite so fancy, but things like you can knock on the window on an LG fridge and it will show you what's in the fridge um, without you having to open the door and waste energy. There's so many fridges out there now that are thinking outside the box you know if you want a fancy fridge I mean what a conversation starter that would be <laughs> yeah come into my house let me have a look at your fridge <laughs> exactly <laughs> okay good one we've got time for just one more I think so Jonathan here wants to know the difference between integrated and normal appliances so I guess that by normal appliances I'm gathering that that's probably freestanding appliances we would probably refer to that as so integrated appliances do you want to explain what they are yeah so I guess integrated uh, the easiest way to explain it is that they are hidden and built into your kitchen design so they're much more slick they can be hidden away you can have doors for example like cabinetry doors that go over them so you can't see them at all or they can just fit perfectly in within the space and then I would say the more freestanding appliances are your things like your American fridge freezers your big range cookers your things that you can probably take away with you if you move house whereas the integrated ones are very much part of your kitchen design scheme yeah most appliances now come as either integrated or freestanding sort of that normal appliance and so you really need to think about your kitchen layout and the space you have available to where you're going to put your appliance and as Georgina said if you are planning to move whether you want to take that appliance with you so even things like washing machine dishwasher you can get either freestanding or integrated so obviously the integrated one means that it's part of your kitchen so if you do move you can't take it with you on the van I think one thing to think about or one thing to know is that usually, generally speaking, integrated appliances do have smaller capacities because they are sort of sat into a unit. So think about the size of fridge freezer you might need, the size of washing machine, that kind of thing, and weigh up the the options between the freestanding and the integrated to see which size is going to be best suited to your kitchen. So yeah, I think straightforward really between integrated and freestanding. One is, as the name suggests, built in and integrated into your kitchen scheme. And the other one is, you know, you can take it with you if you move or you can move it around if you need to shove it in the utility room or, you know, even the shed. Some people have their washing machine in the shed, don't they? They do. And they also, the two of them have very different looks as well. I think some of the freestanding appliances these days look absolutely stunning. So if you want a statement range cooker or a statement smart fridge or you know things to mind come to you know like the beautiful smeg fridges that are colorful and you know a real talking piece same thing as maybe some sub-zero and wolf range cookers you know those are really 
appliances that you want people to look at whereas I suppose integrated it's much more that you want people to look at your maybe your cabinetry and your worktops and things like that you know the appliances are sort of the, the thing that you aren't really asking them to look at I think that's what I would say as well for the two the integrated appliances often create more of a sleek look so if you want everything hidden and then integrated is probably the best one for you now we could chat about these questions all day and I think we've run out of time to be honest with you we've had so many questions we could literally sit here for a whole other season of this podcast we'll have to do a similar episode won't we oh i can't wait (laughs) so that is a wrap for series one of this very podcast but don't worry i will be back with lots more experts and plenty of tips and planning advice for your kitchen and bathroom projects in series two i cannot wait to get started on that well once i've had my summer holidays of course so As always, do get in touch if you have any questions about your project, want to feedback about what you think about this podcast or simply want to say hello. I am on hello at these three rooms.com. Catch the team and I on social media at KBB Magazine. And of course, don't forget to rate and review the podcast to help other people find it and subscribe so you are notified when we are back for series two. But for now, thank you for listening and stay tuned for series two of How to Buy a Kitchen or Bathroom, the podcast coming to you very soon. Bye.